Welcome back to Peekappy Podcast, Pokemon Anime Podcast, yada, yada, yada. My word, I am back. <laughs> For how long, we'll see. But this last month or so has taught me, record things while you can, because you never know what's going to happen. Like, back when we did the movie episode, like, it was so hard because I'd been sick, and, and that's a good hour and a half of straight talking. But, you know, I bounced back from that. We got it out. Only to get sick again like a week later. And this time it wasn't like, oh, I, I don't want to strain my voice and hurt myself. It was like, all my bronchial tubes are filled with cement. I legit couldn't make noise for about three or four days or breathe. Nothing vibrated when I coughed. It was like Play-Doh in all my sinuses. I had to dip into my knowledge of sign language to communicate, which is infinitely more useful when other people also know some sign <laughs> but i don't know what's up with my immune system this year and i it doesn't seem i can promise anything but we've got a lot to make up for and so we are going to in the meantime i hope everybody enjoyed uh the special video episode i was able to release where ash ketchum makes a guest appearance on the show and tries to sum up the events of episode 35 as a silent movie I wasn't sure if that was my best idea or my worst idea, but I did get a kick out of pretending to be a smarmy Rosalia, so... And it does seem at least a few people laughed. Anyway, much as I appreciate Ash's assistance, too much happened in May's contest battle to not go into real depth, so buckle up, kids. We're gonna tackle Advanced Generation number 35, Win, Lose, or Drew. If it's your first time, thanks for listening. This is a Pokemon anime podcast, and I go through each episode for a breakdown on story and character development, and this one's got some interesting stuff going on in both. Before that, a word from our sponsor, Poke Press. Uh, Steven got an interesting interview up talking with Brian Oliver, who was the director of animation at Kids WB and produced a lot of the Pokemon-themed bumpers that appeared on the channel. And, and other bumpers. Um, but this, this is like the little ads where you see characters from a TV show kind of maybe having a little scene or something to kind of hype up, hype up the shows that are coming. It, maybe it would be a little music video. There was a sock at one point. My favorites were always the crossovers, um, like Batman and Pikachu in a scene together. And it wasn't until college that I got to watch Kids WB, so this my memory might actually be coming from YTV, but I believe there was one for one of those two networks where Batman sang Tim Drake the Jigglypuff song to get him to go to sleep. Does anyone remember that? Awesome parenting right there. 
And I never saw it, but I guess a lot of people in the comments section remember uh, a detention miniseries where the Timverse characters of DC and Pikachu and stuff would all be in detention together. That one sounds interesting and worth tracking down. Brian Oliver also got to go to the premiere of Pokemon the first movie and has a good story there and even breaks down a little inside baseball on animation and how it relates to Pokemon. So it's an interview that hits a couple different points on the wheel. Definitely head on over to YouTube and give that a listen. I'll also have a link on my blog page to Proke Press at YouTube or at their blog, pokepress.blogspot.com. Please check that out um, as soon as you finish listening to this episode, and we'll get right into it, number 35. So, it was not so long ago in the continuity that I was talking about how the movie's placement in the show's air date is a little tight as far as continuity goes. Like, that movie takes place over a legit week, and May had a bit of a time crunch before her contest. So there, there is definitely some debate as to whether or not it makes more sense to have movie six taking place when it did in the timeline, or bumping it a week until this contest is over. And as evidenced by today's episode, I chose to, to leave it when the movie's air date dropped, because that's how it happened. And I also got a kick out of that unspoken tension. But after having that debate, it is only fitting that we open today's episode with the kids running at breakneck speed, like, hurry up, guys, we are so late. It's like, well, you could have checked the deadline sooner, like, it just nothing makes me happier than that week-long movie ending and Maze being like, OMG, the contest is now! Like, truly, if that is not a deliberate movie reference, I'm gonna walk into the Pokemon Company and, like smack every single one of them. It's just too perfect to not be deliberate. The gang probably shouldn't beat May too much up over this, though. Like, I mean, Ash, I feel like Ash has a long and proud history of just squeaking in under deadlines when it comes to his his uh, Pokemon League pursuits. Like, every single one of them, whether it's actual registration or the matches themselves, something comes up to derail him. Like, the, the final match with Richie was kind of epic. I think there was one year where he, like, had to beg Nurse Joy to let him in or something. But May does get into the lobby just in time to get her info entered and all the official stuff's done. And now she's got three hours until the contest starts proper. What to do until then? How about lunch, Ash says. And Max is like, come on, Ash, you literally just ate like five minutes ago. But it's Ash. His stomach rules this traveling party. So they go off to do their thing. Then we meet the people who didn't make the deadline, Team Rocket. Or as they have also been known, Salon Roquet. And this is such a great throwback, this costume of Jesse and James and Meowth, because Way back when Team Rocket set up Salon Roque, the scam was that they were breeders trying to highlight a Pokemon's grace and inner beauty. And many breeders in this show have found that they excel in contests because what experience they might lack in battles, they make up in spades with Pokemon care. So I feel like Team Rocket's on the right track. But as I said, they missed the deadline. Too bad. 
And there's no negotiation. They've, they've missed the cutoff. They are out. But Team Rocket doesn't want to just surrender their day. They woke up and got dressed for this. They've got to do something contest-related. And that's when we see all the trainers preparing for contests and feeding their Pokémon something called Pokéblock. We, we've seen that before. It's come up in an episode or two. And it seems to be necessary for these trainers. So if the demand is high, we need a supply. Team Rocket decides they're going to go into the Pokéblock sales business. And there's a few questions to answer, like where they're going to get the Pokéblock to sell, whether or not Team Rocket knows anything about Pokéblock in the first place. But we'll get to answering that later. Right now, the contest is ready to begin. So, our host, Vivian, is in charge of the show. She introduces the judges. And we will see these people again, and again, and again in the future. And they bring with them a lot of stuff to unpack, so let's let's just get to know them right now. First is Raul Contesta. In addition to judging as many official contests as humanly possible, he is also the president of the Pokémon Activities Committee. What is that? Well, it's the governing body for Pokemon contests. In the same way the Pokemon League regulates gyms, it gives them their accreditations and organizes events and tournaments, the Pokemon Activities Committee does the same for contests. Organizing both the official contest circuit where you win ribbons and get to go to the finals, as well as other official events such as the Wallace Cup. And I'm not sure, like, given the name, it implies that you know, Pokemon Activities Committee, like, they might preside over other types of events that are not contests. Whereas, you know, the Pokemon League covers the Pokemon League, and that's that's it. <laughs> Whereas Pokemon Activities Committee versus Pokemon Contests Committee suggests to me that they might they might have some other projects and things going on. But if they do, not much is known about that. It does seem that any region with accredited contests are all under the jurisdiction of this same organization, and so Contesta has appeared to judge contests from Kanto to Hoenn to Sinnoh. Our second judge is one of the better puns in this season, Mr. Skizo, which in Japanese translates to, like, I love it. It's fitting, since all the guy ever says is remarkable, or... In Japanese, suki desu ne. <laughs> He's a Poké fan, president of the fan club even, the Pokémon fan club, sometimes known as the Pokémon enthusiasts club when they want to be all fancy. As a side note, I hope that there is a deep and contentious rivalry between the Pokémon fan club and that Pokémon lovers club from Kanto. Like straight up Montague Capulet, I bite my thumb at you rivalry. But our third judge, if you're going to judge a Pokemon's health, appearance, and care, the best person for the job is Nurse Joy. And as far as I can tell, Raul Contesta and Mr. Sakizo are pretty constant faces through the Hoenn contests and beyond, but the Nurse Joy judging the contest is always local. So that's pretty cool. Now, the winner of this contest gets a shiny ribbon, the Slateport Ribbon, and there are many contests held in Hoenn. There must be a ton, because only those who win five ribbons can enter the Grand Festival. And each contest can only have one winner. 
So I forget how many people make it to the Grand Festival, but even if it's just eight, that's a minimum of 40 contests, assuming that those eight people won every single contest they entered and nobody else won any. Like, a minimum of 40 contests held. Like with gym battles, it it is still unclear if those ribbons have to be earned in a specific time period or if they can carry over from year to year, if you can use them to enter a second grand festival kind of a thing, or if you have to go earn new ones. If so, that may solve some of the congestion. <laughs> gym battles, it, it seems likely that that is the case. Like, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to earn your eight badges. Once you get them, you can enter the championships. Although we don't necessarily know if you have to earn eight all over again if you wanted to enter a second championships. But the way people talk about contests, there's a bit of a sense of urgency, and it would start getting ridiculous if you could reuse your five ribbons to just keep entering Grand Festival year after Grand Festival. So a mystery for another day, maybe. Anyway, our Master of Ceremonies is named Vivian, another recurring character. She's the announcer for most contests in Hoenn and loves her job, so expect today's proceedings to be delivered with enthusiasm. Someone with less enthusiasm is May. She's backstage freaking out. She's so nervous and unfocused, shaking. This is her first time being on stage by herself, and beyond that, her first time really having something to lose. She's bent over backwards this season in order to not have to risk anything, like, can't get hurt if I don't try, and now she's jumping out in front of a crowd of hundreds. Her friends try to calm her down, and Ash points out that her Pokémon are probably nervous, too. Pokémon kind of feed off the trainers, like, if you're nervous, they're gonna feel the same way. I love how Pikachu nods, like, yup. <laughs> but this is a point that Ash makes quite often through the series. It's like, even if as a trainer, like, you're freaking, freaking out completely, you've got to put on a brave face because those Pokémon are looking to you. Ash also gives some encouragement to Beautifly, which is super cute. Anyway, from the shadows, Drew is kind of eavesdropping. And he seems like, well, honestly, it's kind of hard to tell what Drew's thinking sometimes. He's like so wrapped up in his act, you don't know which of his two faces you're getting. But anyway, it's not long before we see him and Rosalia competing the first stage of the contest is the appeal, where Pokemon and trainers present an act that they've worked on together. And Rosalia is pretty amazing. That that pedal dance and stun spore. They've managed to combine attacks for some really nice effects. May's impressed. Drew might be a jerk. And there's no might about it. Drew is a jerk. But those attacks are beautiful. Ash, for friend solidarity, tries not to be impressed, <laughs> but the scores tell the truth. Drew is quite good. He scored a 29.4 out of 30. And, and this is all the more impressive because he's competing earlier in the contest. Whenever you have subjectively judged sports like this, the scores are always going to be higher for the people who compete towards the end of the competition. 
in a scoring system like this, where you're given something out of 10 compared to everybody else, it's less what you actually did out there and more what you did in relation to all the other competitors. And if the first person comes out and hits it out of the park and you give them all 10s, then what happens if the next person comes out and does even better? You've already given the first person a perfect score, so there's nowhere to go. And now you've no choice but to give people the same score, despite one being clearly better than the other, and that's not fair. So in a scoring system like this, judges tend to give the people competing earlier in the contest slightly lower scores. Not because they did badly, but so it's easier to make a comparison of how much better or worse somebody else did later. If you give the earlier people eight or sevens for a good performance, and that's the best performance of the night, well, they've still won. But if somebody comes along and does significantly better, there's still some room to give them their nines or their tens to win. And it's true in a lot of judge sports, like um, some parts of gymnastics, and I think parts of snowboarding, and to unload some figure skating knowledge on you, that's still sort of how the component scores are judged, though that's been changing over the years too, like the technical score. It used to be the entire score in figure skating was judged out of six, both the technical and component side, and was the issue of debate for some time, because your scores were only relevant to the competition you were in. Like, if you got a better score at the next competition it didn't actually mean you'd improved it just meant you'd done better than the person next to you that day and again if someone right before you skated lights out and got some real high scores there's not much room for you to do better even if physically you do and that was a thing when Tara Lipinski won the Olympics in Nagano she skated after Michelle Kwan and when she took the ice she heard Michelle's scores were like five nines across the board. And it was just like, oh, no, because to beat that and make up for the deficit beforehand, she'd have to be awarded perfect sixes. And no one's going to give out a perfect score because, again, that means no one else can possibly do better. But miracle of miracles, the judges did give her five nines and sixes. And that's how that worked out. So basically, all of that, I'm saying that Drew's done so well here that the judges are pretty willing to bet that no one else is gonna beat that by much, even though there are quite a few people left in the competition. But of that other competition, uh, we, we have May, and we also have this other dude named Robert. Robato. He is a smooth and snappy dresser, and his Milotic is even better. When those two take the stage, it's magical. Magical enough to put a stop to Drew's insecure backhanding routine, like, I'm here to cheer you on, I want you to at least make the finals, but it's not like I like you or anything. <laughs> He's distracted, because my Lotic uses safeguard and basically mesmerizes everyone. So they are going to be a force to be reckoned with later. But sometime after Robert and Milo tick, May is up, and her face says it all. She's not ready for this. Nervous and second-guessing herself, she, she's just a wreck. And I'm not sure how I feel about Vivian's introduction. Like, 
it comes off sort of, okay, class, this is May's first contest, so let's all be nice and welcoming and show her where the pencil sharpener is. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure anything Vivian said could have helped. And, and it's not like May has a past resume in contests to use for an introduction. Like, there's nothing else Vivian can say about her, and it's it's not fair to be just like, here's May. Go. <laughs> like, there may have been no way to win here. Anyway, May goes to throw her Pokeball and start this routine, and trips. It's embarrassing, but you know, for May, I almost think it rallies her. Like, we've already hit rock bottom, might as well go all out. And sort of shoves her back into that denial space she likes to live in. Like, I meant to do that. That was a warm-up. I have so got this, even if on the inside she so doesn't. Either way, her appeal goes much better from there. The frisbee moves she's been practicing are aces, using string shot and then silver wind to kind of blow them back and create a volley Beautifly in talent and appearances is radiant. There's only the one little stumble where May almost misses a catch, but it's a good performance. And it's kind of nice to see this going through the series in order like we have. One of my complaints about May on first viewings was it felt like she got too good too quickly without really putting in the work. Like she just got magically good at things. And I'm not saying that's not still going to be an issue and a topic of discussion going forward, but being able to look at it objectively and in context now, I, I see what she does well and what she doesn't, and it makes sense with her progression thus far. May loves presentation. She's screwball creative in all aspects of her life. She loves performing. She loves storytelling. She can put together a good program for the appeal. And she can sell it, but she's also very insecure and susceptible to nerves and in denial about all of that, which can hinder all her good points. And she doesn't know how to practice and is nervous to practice. It's it's a problem I can relate to. Um, as an actor growing up, like I always hated other people watching me warm up because like unless it was a group exercise and we were all doing it together, but if I were by myself... It was stupid, but I always got real self-conscious. Like, they are judging me on my resonance, and I am not doing the right stretches. <laughs> and, and and when I was younger, that sometimes led to not warming up super well, because I was scared to to go into a room where other people were doing their own thing, and in all honesty, probably weren't even paying attention to me. And you can see that in May. Like, she's always coming up with an excuse not to practice in front of people, and since she's surrounded by her friends, that's kind of always. And that's and that would be intimidating, you know, to go through your routine and things within eyeshot of Ash Ketchum, I am super good at battling. So you can see here where she could have used a lot more practice and work. So in this episode, it is realistic. Like, May's not magically talented all of a sudden. She's only good at the things she was already good at on, like, day one. And the places that she's weak are the ones that everyone's been after her for since day one to improve on. And she's slacked at. So that's round one. Beautifly, as I said, radiant. But that's enough to earn May a 24.9. 
And it's not super great, but it's okay. And it gets her a compliment from Drew, which no one else is ever going to hear. Least of all May, because he's awful. But in fact, later he gives May a rose and is like, it's not for you. It's for your beautiful eye. <laughs> this kid has got such issues. But May and Beautifly do move on to the next round, by the skin of their teeth. And watch Drew when May finds that out. Because he is so hard to read, he is so lost in his cool act, but his animator is making all sorts of acting choices with that face, despite the character not actually having more than a word to say. Like, I think stuff is going on under the surface, good things. It kind of doesn't matter if he never says any of it out loud, but it gives me hope for him. Like, maybe he can grow up into a decent human being and not, like, Shinji. But anyway, in the second round, who should May face but Drew? And this is where it all goes downhill. So, the secondary round for contests are the contest battle. And while it is a Pokemon battle, the rules are a little different. There's some art and a little subjectivity to it. Obviously, if you get pummeled so hard you faint, you lose. But just trying not to faint isn't going to be enough to win, either. It's a bit of a balance. And there is a sort of HP bar on each side that decreases in points when one takes damage, though it seems it's not quantifying the actual, like, health and damage your Pokémon has, but how well they were able to defend themselves and hold the presentation. Basically, any break in the performance that would happen when, say, you get hit in the face <laughs> is is worthy of losing points. And when viewed that way, yeah, a Pokemon who's always able to dodge and never takes a hit is gonna look good. They're gonna be the more graceful one, the better trained one, the one with a better performance aesthetic, the one you want to watch. Exciting as it can be in a Pokemon battle to watch someone clinging by their fingernails. The fact is that when you do it right, you look better. And these contests are not about power, they are about technique. So, as I'm explaining this, you can see where May might have some struggles. Like, for starters, she's been in how many Pokemon battles? Like, five? <laughs> and how many of those were even remotely successful ventures? Or involving Beautifly, she tended to use Torchic a lot, and you know, Beautifly's unevolved forms, Silcoon and Wurmple. So she really just does not have the miles on Beautifly as a trainer and, you know, with Beautifly's new and improved skill set to really, really succeed here. She's done a little work, but, but she barely knows how a battle works, let alone how to think on her feet, how to adapt, how to be creative under pressure, and, you know, how to fight while also making it look good. And that shows when she calls for Silver Wind, her big attack, and when it doesn't work, she's done. She freezes up. She can't think of anything to do. Ash and the others are calling from the stands like, call an attack! But May just stands there and panics, and Beautiful Eye just takes the hits. Ash feels pretty bad for May and says he wishes he'd worked with her more on battling, and yeah, that would have helped a lot, because despite it not being his discipline... Ash and his Pokemon kinda kill at the contest circuit. We won't see much of it in Hoenn, but once we get to Kanto and Sinnoh, like, he could have an entire secondary career. His Pokemon are well-raised. Most of them, 
have great personalities and can ham it up on the stage. And, and if you live through a gym battle with Ash Ketchum, you've basically graduated from a Second City style improv program. <laughs> like his his training style develops a lot of skills in his Pokemon that can cross over to contests. At the very least, Ash could get May more used to how to defend against attacks, like particularly special ones like Magical Leaf that always hit and need a little more outside-box thinking to repel. He could teach her the rules of battling. Because I'm not sure she's super solid there either. That said, for Ash to be able to help, May would, like, actually have to agree to practice, and we've, we've talked about that already. So to May's credit, she does manage to start calling attacks and dodge one thing, but Drew's Rosalia never takes a single hit. Even Solar Beam, which it has to stop and come to a standstill to power up, May can't get her act together fast enough to take advantage of it. So Beautiful Eye, again, just takes hit after hit after hit. And again, that's another thing that like working with Ash would have been good for her because with May... She doesn't have experience in battles. Someone with Ash's experience would be like, he just called for Solar Beam. This is our shot. Move on it. May doesn't have that instinct to know that Drew just gave her the opening to end all openings. <laughs> Beautifully never faints from all this pummeling. But as I said, in contest battles, you don't have to faint. It, it lost enough points in presentation quickly enough to lose the match while still having health. Though maybe not much, like once the judges declare the battle's over, Beautiful Eye just keels and gets spiral fainted eyes like, okay, I'm done, we, we did our job, wake me for the next one. So, now we're back in the locker rooms, May has to come to grips with actually having tried something, taking a risk, putting herself out there, and failing. Failing in front of everybody, with people who don't even know her forming opinions and judging her and dismissing her and maybe even laughing at her. Letting down her beautifully, who worked so hard. Letting down herself. Being embarrassed. Like, these are all things that she has tried to avoid. Like, she can't be a disappointment to her gym leader father if she doesn't actually fight a gym battle. She can't... She can't be put in the position to lose if she never trains her Pokemon. She's been doing that for so long, and this time she only put forth the effort because of the positives. Which, which is, you know, the only reason anybody does anything, but she thought it would be fun to perform side-by-side side with Beautifly and to enter this contest and to try. There were so many fun things about her experience with Janet and so many things she loved and those thoughts of like, this is going to be a great experience and this is going to be worth it is what's been sustaining her and pushing her to actually practice a little bit and do something that she's scared of. She felt all the good things leading up to this contest and that gave her the courage to leave the safe space where she's mediocre, but she never gets hurt. She never thought of how hard it would be to lose and how much that was going to hurt. And... And now she has no choice, because she did lose. And Ash is like, yeah, I feel ya. Really. And in a moment, so will Drew. Because as awesome as Rosalia was against Beautifly, that Robert dude and his Milotic are even better. And that, as we've learned through tournament battles, is just how it goes sometimes. Robert eventually goes on to win the contest. 
And since I'm sure he's not doing this just for the one-off kicks, he probably wants to go to the Grand Festival and seems to have the chops to get five ribbons. I'm pretty sure we'll see him again. Drew stays to watch the victory ceremony, but leaves once the ribbons have been awarded and May follows him out of the building. Now, taking a side note, I might be wrong, but the front of the building here, the lettering, is this the first time we see the ubiquitous modern Pokemon written language? It could be I've just not noticed, and it also could be that this is more of a precursor to that, because it does look a little less developed. But we've gotten away now from actual words, Japanese or English, on our building signs. We're starting to move more into the Pokeverse's answer to Arubesh or whatever this is. But anyway, May and Drew. May basically declares the rivalry on. She tells him that next time they meet at a contest, she won't be losing to him. And he returns that he's going to train hard too, with a heavy dollop of ego on top. But again, Drew's attitude is like, you're not worthy to wipe my shoes. But his face is like, oh my gosh, I think she likes me. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure where his internal monologue is going, but it must be real interesting inside his head. <laughs> Ash, do that kid a favor. Give him Gary's phone number. Like, let's sort this out early. Figure out who Gary's therapist was through all of the Orange Islands and just <laughs> unpack some things. <laughs> But May is getting a little sorted herself. Like, honestly, it's probably rude to say it out loud, but she really needs to be thanking Drew for losing. Because if Drew beat her and then went on to win the contest, I think May might have stayed where she was. Like, well, I just suck. There's no point trying. He's better. I'll always be beat and beat and beat. We're done. But knowing how good Drew is, like, she faced him in battle And then seeing him come up against someone who's even more experienced and face his own loss, I think it shows her that there is a spectrum of ability and improvement, more than anything Ash and Brock could have said. She she sees it for herself. The evidence is there. It's not a binary situation like you win and you're awesome, you lose, you suck, but more like steps on a ladder. I can work hard and reach this level, and maybe it's still not enough to win the contest, But I can work hard and move up another step and another step. And that's what training actually is. Drew was once where she is on the bottom rung. And someday she can move up and be where Drew is. And maybe both of them can improve and get to where Robert is. And even then, there will always be people who have mastered things they haven't and room to improve. And if some losing happens in the process, like it's not actually a big deal just like drew beating her while a bit of a win for him is not really important in the scheme of things because he then lost the next round and still didn't win the contest winning and losing battles are slightly less important than may was building them up in her head it still sucks to lose but maybe it's not total failure on her part and maybe winning is not total victory Maybe it's not either or, like, I have worth as a human being or I have shame. Maybe she can exist somewhere in the middle. And that's thanks to Drew, much as he probably did not want to be today's object lesson. So this is all sorts of good things for May. And while I don't think losing here was anything Drew wasn't prepared to deal with, like, like he wanted to win, he's obviously disappointed that he didn't, but... 
he'll bounce back. He didn't get this far without a few second place experiences along the way. I do think going through this contest with May, though, was good for him in other ways. Because he's a weird, messed up little boy who does not have his brain together. But the fact that May was able to step it up and sort of challenge him as an equal rival, in word if not, you know, in the Pokemon battle, gives him a little more respect for her. And I think that's what he wants. I don't think he knows that yet. Like, goodness, but he can't express himself in a healthy way. But I do think the dude is starting to realize that he gets less enjoyment from lording over May as he does from a May who looks him in the eye. So we'll see where that goes between these two characters. There will be many more contests on our way to the Grand Festival. In the meantime, if anyone wondered what happened to Team Rocket, uh, remember they were going to sell Pokeblock, and in order to get it, a kindly old man offered to teach them the secrets of Pokeblock. And so, for the entire day, Jesse, James, and Meowth sat at the feet of the master and learned way more than any of them wanted to know. Jesse and Meowth were so bored, eventually they fell asleep. But James, like, was so into it. He took copious notes. So we'll see if he's able to internalize them in a later episode and become somewhat useful for having studied. For now, though, I, I guess... I guess learning new information instead of committing crimes is not the least productive turn Team Rocket's ever taken, so maybe this was a good day for them too. But I'm really looking forward to to the episodes coming down the road. I'm, I'm very excited for May's contest journey. I, I didn't realize I would be, because as much as I do quite like May and I love contests, my enjoyment of the contest episodes have always been all about the Pokemon and the visual candy <laughs> that's going on, and... Some of the uh, supporting characters in uh, in May's contest pursuits, I'm rather fond of Harley. Possibly for all the wrong reasons, but there you go. And and like Vivian and uh, Contesta and Sakizo and and Nurse Joy, like there, there's a lot of great stuff going on in contests and Jesse's journey through contests. But May, like I've just, I don't remember enjoying her in a contest episode before, whereas now maybe it's just because I'm going through the exercise of having to analyze every little thing, I'm really starting to get excited about her next attempt at a contest and her progression through this discipline, so that's exciting. Thank you so much for listening to the episode, guys, and as always, you can leave your comments on Facebook or Twitter at Podcast, or send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Or visit our blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on iTunes or Zune or wherever fine podcasts are streamed and downloaded. Again, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next time. This has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>